Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that answers the question, why did the chicken cross the road? It's to get away from this show. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you, yep, pre-recorded. Why? Well, because we're traveling again. So we got two shows pre-recorded for you. And on this week's show, in Pipe Parts, I'm going to give you a list of uh, pipe makers that have quit, are no longer making pipes, but I think are great ones for you to look for on the estate market. And then my guest is uh, the first of the journeyman pipe smokers, the five to ten year guys. It's uh, Gabe Skippola from Texas, so we talked to him. Uh, Music and a rave, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to enjoy this fine show. Uh, Yes, so, uh, and more coming up at the end of the show when I have a rave, but, uh, uh, yep, Country Squire Radio has uh, decided to end their run and, uh, you know, we'll miss them. But uh, I just want to make sure you know that it's Country Squire Radio only. (laughs) It's not John David Cole and the Country Squire. In fact, I've had some conversations with John David about coming on this show on a uh, semi-infrequent basis. So you'll still get to hear from him. And uh, yeah, in the in the pipe shop, the shop in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, still going on. Uh, in fact, they've got a big party coming up March 4th so uh, for their final episode, so uh, check that out. I'm, at this point, still trying to work out the details if I can get there, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, the shop's not going anywhere, and you will get to hear John David on this show occasionally, so... All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. Thoid Floor Men's Clothing. Suits, shoes, ties, trousers, cufflinks, going up. I beg your pardon, but on what floor might I find the luxury tobaccos, pipes, and accessories? Well, I'll tell you, pal, if it's those things you's looking for, you need to visit TinBids.com. Ah, yes, of course. You mean the Pipe Collector's Auction site, right? That's right, Mac. You can buy and sell pipes, accessories, and vintage and hard-to-find luxury tobaccos. You know, just like you were saying. So I can sell my pipes and tobaccos, too? Why, that's just fine. Yeah, you bet your life, buddy. So, what'll it be? Can you take me to the floor where the computers are, then? What's a computer? Visit TinBids.com, the Pipe Collector's Auction Site, and sign up today. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. 
here back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, pipe parts. This is going to be a list, okay? This is going to be a list of pipe makers that are no longer actively making pipes, but I think are good ones to keep an eye out for on the estate pipe market. Why do I think that? Well, one, they're really good pipe makers, good reputations, and two, the prices haven't gone crazy. All right. And remember, also keep in mind that when you're talking about a pipe maker, you're talking about basically a small business and small businesses start up and small businesses stop for multiple reasons. Yeah. And these are, you know, these are people that started into pipe making and decided, you know, that's not working for me. So (laughs) they left for multiple reasons. Uh, The first one I want to draw your attention to is the brand is technically Briar Art, but it's Brian Ruthenberg, who is the pipe maker. Um, I owned a couple of his pipes in the past, does a lot of work in sandblast and really comfortable stems. Um, more on the classical style, but a little bit Americanized, um, maybe uh, you know a little bit um, uh, a little more elegant than the traditional classics. And oftentimes would do some great silver work. So it's Brian Ruthenberg, R-U-T-H-E-N-B-E-R-G. And the brand is Briar Art. So you may see them listed either as Brian Ruthenberg or Briar Art. Um, the other one is, the next one is Rad Davis. And Rad's pipes have not come down in price, but Rad retired and started making pipes. And Rad had a policy of trying to keep his pipes in the affordable price range even when everybody was going price crazy so you'll still see a lot of his pipes in the 300 to 350 range well that's where a lot of them sold and he had a great following uh and then due to some health reasons just had to you know had to quit smoking and quit making pipes and lost interest in it and Rightfully so, he decided that he wanted to spend time with his grandchildren. So if you can find a Rad Davis pipe on the estate market in a price range that you're happy with, grab it. You'll be happy. All right. Uh, The next one is a guy named Will Purdy, P-U-R-D-Y. And uh, Will came in 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 the early, early 2001, 2002. Very stylized pipes shaping is beautiful he was one of those guys that would obsess on working on a pipe for 25 30 hours uh got a really good reputation for it and then uh you know realized that you know it was just it's a lot of hard work and left pipe making Uh, i think he made pipes for six seven eight years so if you can find a will purdy p-u-r-d-y uh, I think the prices have come down the last ones I've seen and you know, it'd be a good, uh, would be a good, a good deal. Um, the next one is Adam Remington, A-D-A-M Remington, just like the, uh, just like the rifles. And, uh, Adam was a protege of Todd Johnson and you would often at pipe shows see them together. Adam was a very quiet guy, but studied with Todd and really picked up a lot of Todd's touches and at the same time had his own style. Uh, so just gorgeous handmade pieces. And again, I don't think the, uh, the prices are not near what they used to be. He didn't make that many pipes. He was making maybe 50 to 75 a year 
and made pipes for four or five years, but it's Adam Remington. Uh, Tony Rodriguez was a uh, California-based pipe carver that was somebody that Rick Newcomb knew, and uh, Tony was a high-end cabinetry cabinet maker, and uh, Rick got him introduced to uh, Lars Everson and Yes Conowitz and Bo Nord, and Tony spent some time working with those guys and training under them. Uh, and Tony was making pipes for a couple of years and then just went back to high-end cabinetry just because it was, yeah, I, I think it was more lucrative and I think it was, uh, <laughs> you, can, you can make more cabinets than you can pipes at a time. But his cabinetry work and his pipes were just top-notch. And I don't think they command the prices that they used to. And then finally is a guy named Charles Cole. C-O-L-E, similar to John David Cole, but Charles Cole of Cole Pipes, C-O-L-E Pipes. Uh, Charlie came into pipe making in 2008, 9, 10, and then for family reasons uh, had to stop working on pipes and making pipes. But I know when he was, you know, he was, uh, I guess the, the best way to say it is for a couple of years, he was the flavor of the month and was making really well-respected pipes, a very soft-spoken, kind guy that, you know, if you were standing in a room with him, you'd hardly know that he was making these great pipes. Uh, but if you can find any coal pipes on the pre-owned market, you know what? They're just not selling for the prices that they used to, and they might be a great smoking pipe for you. So there you go. Kind of a rundown of uh, six American pipe makers that you can keep an eye out for on the estate market. And no, I haven't gone and bought up a whole bunch of these before the prices went up before I talked about them. So (laughs) sorry. Yeah. Um, Anyway, if you have comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, my conversation with Gabe Skippola. This is Internet Radio. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, joining us for the the journeymen, the mid-range pipe smokers. I'm not sure what to call this, what to call you group, but... You know, again, the five to ten year guys that have uh, kind of, I guess, really stuck it out is uh, Gabe Skippola of the great state of Texas. Gabe, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks, Brian. Huge honor for me. I uh, will endure the torture as best I can. All right. Why are you so stupid and willing to come on this show? I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Um, so are you a native Texan? Yep. I was born in Hereford, Texas and moved to Amarillo when I was about 10. 
and uh, I've lived here ever since, other than uh, went to college in Alabama and came right back to Dallas and back to Amarillo. I'm guessing Hereford, Texas is probably a real big booming town. Yep, it is named after the Hereford cow, and it is a, uh, a cow town, <laughs> so much so that, that people notice it by the smell. <laughs> we have to remind them, no, 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 that's not manure, that's, uh, that's the smell of money. So when the people from Hereford come to Amarillo, can you tell them automatically just by their fragrance? <laughs> uh, it's not as bad as that. Just just with the wind, when the wind blows from the right direction, <laughs> we notice we notice they live over there. Uh, so growing up out in the, I mean, you're out. That's I mean, that's the middle of Texas. Well, the northern part of Texas, but really just kind of out there in not not much to do land. Um, yep. what did you want to be when you were growing up? When I was growing up, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I thought that was, that was going to be my choice. You, you were going to birth, you were going to birth some cows. Uh, yep. That's what I wanted to do. I had a, an uncle that was a farmer and a rancher. So grew up a little bit working on the farm back in the day. And uh, I thought a veterinarian would be a, a good choice. But uh, when I got to college, I was in a totally different track. But uh, so, what got you out of birthing cows and on the? <laughs> did you did you decide you that's yucky? Well, no, I think uh, so. I, I played basketball ever since I was probably eight. I was a lot taller than everybody, and so my parents said I should play basketball. And then I thought I was going to do that for a while. And then when I actually got to school, I uh, I did pre-med and decided, you know, I'm kind of done with school. I don't want to go to more school. And so I went into youth ministry after that. And from there to sales. And once you get, I got married uh, 17 years ago. And once you get married, you kind of do what's practical at the time. And so I'm in sales now. Yeah, all right. So your Instagram name is Tallest Piper. Mm -hmm. uh, how how tallest are you? Well, I say Tallest Piper. There might be somebody taller than me, but I, I have yet to meet them. I'm six foot nine. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. Um, just, I mean, that's actually tall for Texas too. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a few guys I know personally that are taller than me, but most everybody uh, looks up to me. All right, so I got to ask you because I I've always I mean at, at, on a good day I'm six foot one and I feel like that's just a hair too tall for the rest of the world, <laughs> uh, you know. And I really feel for you because I mean there's things like you know like doorways and clothing that you can't just you know manage on a regular basis. Yeah, the uh, average door frame is six eight, so I have a bump permanent bump on my head from hitting my head a couple thousand times and then probably every long sleeve shirt I've had, I just roll up the sleeves cause they're, they're too short. Yeah. I, I was having the discussion with my daughter a couple days ago that a short sleeve shirt, I'm a size medium, a long sleeve shirt. I'm a size large. Cause otherwise I don't get the, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, wow. All right. So, so that I'm, I'm going to ask you, 
a pipe related question about that later but mm-hmm. when did when did when and how did pipe smoking come into your uh, high life there well my uh my dad's dad he was a pipe smoker and i remember when i was little he always smelled like cherry or vanilla pipe tobacco and <laughs> so i always had that good memories from pipe smoking and when I went to uh, college and turned 18, I went to the Briery in Birmingham yeah. and and bought my first pipe. And I never, I think, I forget what kind of tobacco, probably just their Lane 1Q home blended version and uh, smoked that a couple times. And then I just kind of had a, I think I actually sold, I think I bought a couple pipes, a basket pipe and a, uh, corn cob pipe and i gave away my one of my pipes to one of my uh one of my friends and i think he used it for uh smoking something other than tobacco at uh-huh. the time <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was uh that's how i got started but then i think uh not until 2018 i you know i've had a couple pipes sitting in a shoebox somewhere for since college i went to school in 97 and graduated in uh, 01, 02. Mm-hmm. And they were just in the shoebox. And then I pulled them out one day, I guess just when we were moving. I was like, oh, yeah, forgot I had these. And then uh, that was 2018. And I caught the bug and I started acquiring pipes and pipe tobacco. And uh, I bought my first McClellan Frogmorton cellar and got hooked wish I'd have bought more now that I look back, but, and from there, just, uh, yeah, started buying pipes and tobacco. I asked for a wood lathe and started, uh, trying to make my own pipes and just told my wife, this will probably be a hobby I stick with forever. So I promise this time <laughs> I won't buy all the things and then stop pursuing the hobby. So I've had to make myself stick with it. So I'm interested. What do you what do you think happened in college that didn't really? I mean, the pipe uh, it was in it was an interest to you, and then you just kind of put it away. What do you think it was that that caused that? Um, I'm not sure. I I remember having it, but I don't remember ever really taking it seriously. I think uh, at that time, none of my other friends really cared about pipe smoking. They all if they would smoke, it was cigars. So we'd just go out and smoke cigars. But, uh, yeah, I never, I don't know if maybe I didn't have the patience for it, but, uh, I always had it in the back of my mind. And I also played basketball and nobody really (laughs) cared much for being a smoker and an athlete. And I was like, well, you're really not smoking technically, but anyway, so I don't know what it was just, uh, a bunch of other things taking up my attention and cigars were easier. It's a, I didn't have the patience for it perhaps. Well, and I guess Michael Jordan at that point was having celebratory cigars with the Chicago bulls every year. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So then you, uh, so then you say, Hey, wait a second. What, what triggered you to get back into the, into the pipe thing? Well, I, work probably 80% of the time 
in front of the computer at a home office. And at the time, our office was in uh, in a barn. And so, you know, instead of sitting around all day in front of the computer, I was like, I got to find something to do in between times. So I think that's when I found my pipes and I started, I broke those out again and started buying more and I just caught the bug. I was probably 35-ish, 30, well, no, that would have been, I was 37 at that time. And that's just kind of where the stars aligned and I started picking up the pipe again and just making it a consistent thing for me to do and sit down and relax and my first kid he's 11 now so i think i had two kids at the time and so it was good for me to do something to get sit down and just relax for 30 minutes to an hour so it kind of worked as a way for you to to unplug from the uh from the digital computer world and the children world and sit outside the barn and watch the tumbleweeds blow by <laughs> pretty much <laughs> watch the jackrabbits run run by and chase the tumbleweeds yep and are do you have armadillos running by too nope we have uh, a lot of possum out here though ah. possum coyotes foxes jackrabbits <laughs> ah, love an armadillo dumb as a box mm. of rocks but <laughs> yeah yep All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Gabe, so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and visiting with the tallest piper. I think you at six foot nine, you win. Uh, Gabe Skippola. Uh, Gabe, does your height come into any decision on what kind of pipe you're going to buy? Well, uh, so taking it seriously about five years, I've not had any kind of focus to the pipes I buy. They're all different, Mm -hmm. but uh, I I think most recently I want to uh, focus on getting some, some larger pipes I, I like having some small ones that I can clinch while I'm working, but I think from now on I'm going to focus on getting some some larger ones that uh, that fit my hand a little better and don't look like teeny tiny show pieces. <laughs> don't look like that giant's that giant's got a stub of wood in his nose. What's that? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean that's got to be. Uh, 
Well, and also with the size of your hands, you want to be careful and make sure that you've got a pipe that's big enough that you can actually, you know, grab it and not get it lost because yeah. you know, everything's bigger. <laughs> I, yep. I would assume. And everything's bigger in Texas anyway. Um, that's what they say. Yeah. All right. So you, uh, so you decide what, what was the, what was the light bulb moment that said, wait a second, I'm going back to pipes. I think it was just finding that old pipe and saying, you know, this will this will be a hobby I need to pick back up. And then I think I found your podcast first and started listening to that at the same time, you know, trying to go down the rabbit hole of uh, YouTube. And so I think it was Mutton Chop Piper was the first one, you know, how to smoke a pipe, how to pack a pipe and all of his kind of how-to videos and then going out from there trying to find others and then i uh started doing some youtube videos as well and trying to be a part of the ytpc as they call it uh-huh. i haven't recorded probably since covid but um yeah just just through that and then starting to everywhere for pipes and it just you know you catch the bug of the uh, pipe acquisition syndrome and the tobacco acquisition syndrome. And <laughs> five years, five years into it, I'm like, I should probably slow down because I have so much tobacco now. I don't know that I could smoke it in my lifetime. And my pipes, I'm like, okay, I've made a deal with myself. I'm not going to buy any more pipes unless I can hold it in my hand and look at it in person because, uh, I've, I've got so many from eBay and online sales and uh, stuff like that. So I want each of my pipes to have a story. So but the, I don't know what it was. I think it was, it was probably your podcast. And just, the, you know, the more you hear about people talk about how much they love pipe smoking and the hobby, and it just kind of feeds the bug that I got. And I just haven't slowed down since then, I'm trying to be a little more smart about it. But. <laughs> With the, uh, now you said you've got more tobacco than you know what to do with at this point. I can give you my address. Um, uh, how did you build your, how did you build your, your cellar? Were you just buying everything that anybody recommended and said, yeah. Well, let's see. I, I think between your show and the country squire show, I would just hear somebody talk about a blend and I'd go. And I'd look at it and be like, oh, that looks interesting. And I'd buy, you know, two to five tens of it. Um, I think most of what I have is going to be stuff that I know will age well. So I have a whole bunch of Escudo, a whole bunch of Virginias and mm-hmm. Virginia Preaks. And uh, gosh, I've got a whole bunch of, um, oh, what is it called? It's Hearth and Home. Chatham Manor and some of the other ones, uh, Lane One Q that I'll give to friends. So I started. I have a whole bunch of uh, Missouri Mearshams and Bones pipes. Yeah, uh, Chris Morgan Bones that I will just give to people. Um, probably five years. No, I think it's four years ago. Now I went to a little weekend retreat uh, with some friends of mine, and I was smoking a pipe, and there was. There's one old guy there that he was smoking a pipe too, but everybody was like, oh man, that's cool. Uh, I kind of want to get into that. And so I started 
the Golden Spread Pipe Club, and we we haven't met <laughs> since since COVID, but I still hang out with those guys. And so I started just giving pipes to people when they were interested. So I have a whole bunch of uh, Lane One Q and Chatham Manor to give away, and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I try to spread the hobby as much as I can. So you're so you're building your own pipe club, but at the same time building your own uh, <laughs> your own tobacco cellar. Uh, yeah. With the with the tins that you buy, like the you know the, that you bought two to five of, would you would you just smoke one first and then go back and buy more, or based off the recommendations, you just think, all right, this is going to be in my wheelhouse? Yeah, I. Typically, I don't open them up. I have just put them away, which um, I've thought about. I need to open one and put the rest away. So I've been trying to do that. But I don't know if I just pack my pipes too loosely. But it seems like it takes me forever to get through uh, a whole tin of tobacco. And I have so many different options. I think I change it up so much that uh, I may have ADHD, my wife says. So. I'd probably jump around <laughs> between blends, but if if I were to pick one, it would be uh I really like the uh Frogmorton cellar. Yeah. And uh Dunhill or Peterson early morning pipe now, but I prefer more of a, a Latakia blend. And uh we've got a local shop here in town that they're still around called the Smoke Shop. And they uh they blend some of their own and they have one that's called uh, Nichols Blend, and it's forty percent Latakia, I think, and I re I really like that one. Um, but I also like the Virginia Preaks as well. So, so you're you so, are uh, you, you? I mean, you're all over the place. You like all kinds yep. of different stuff. Yep, I do, and uh, <laughs> but I think I lean more towards the ones with a little heavier Latakia. I think those are my favorite. But I do have uh, a few tins of Christmas cheer that I bought. I have not opened yet, so I'm looking forward to trying those uh, here in a few more years. But man, kicking myself for not buying more McClelland. Well, could you imagine the tobacco you, the, the tobaccos you'd have now if you kept smoking from when you started in 98? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah go ahead kick yourself yeah. even harder um yeah uh, yeah <laughs> you know you have the same regrets i have of not buying more uh, <laughs> does the time of season or the time of year change change what you prefer to smoke i really haven't noticed it but i i will there's my most memorable smoke was actually during a rainstorm so I don't know if that had something to do with the humidity, but uh, Amarillo is really pretty dry, and I typically get to smoke inside, so I don't really notice that I favor one over the other. It's just uh, I try to be enjoy whatever I'm smoking. So at the time, I don't I don't notice a difference really. And now your wife is not listening. So how many pipes do you <laughs> how many pipes do you have now? Uh, in my office with me, I have 10, 
15, 15. <laughs> and inside the house, uh, my wife actually bought me an old uh, china cabinet. And I have probably 20 pipes in there. And then plus another dozen bones and uh, Missouri Meerschaum corn cobs that I'll give away to people. Yeah, your wife. Your and, wife uh, is your wife's a keeper. Mm -hmm. yeah. She she actually you know she was a little pissed at first because I was buying all these pipes, but uh, last year she actually got me a uh, a Savinelli Tortuga for my birthday, so uh, I was I was pleased with that. <laughs> Please tell me your wife is not five foot two. No, uh, she's five eight. Okay. My uh, my sister's five eleven, and she told me if if I married anybody shorter than five eight, she would murder me. So, she, you know, she hates it when the tall guy dates the the five foot one girl. So, five eight. Wow, your sister's five eleven. So your entire family is uh, is extra stretched. Yeah, you know, my theory is uh, it was from all the human growth hormone they were feeding the cattle when we were growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or you kept trying to see all the way over to the mountains and everybody just kept stretching and stretching their necks. Yep. That's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. As part of this deal of coming on here, I offered you guys the opportunity to ask me a couple of questions or bring up a couple of topics of sure. your choice. So your turn. All right. When it comes to your pipe smoking hobby, so smoking a pipe, buying collecting you know getting tobacco the whole everything it encompasses what is one thing other than obviously buying more tobacco when you were younger what's what's one thing that you learned or you wish you would have learned or started doing sooner boy uh, yeah the obvious thing is buying tobacco but that's that's simple <laughs> um I think the one thing that I would have, well, but it's part of it. It's really part of the part of the journey of pipes for me is continuously curating that pipe collection that isn't quantity, it's quality. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a point early on where I thought that quantity was more impressive than quality. Um, yeah. And quality to one person is completely different than another person. So it's not so much. Yeah. You, you want pipes that all work for you for a particular reason and don't pay attention to what's really stamped on them. Pay attention to, does it really work for you? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I guess the best thing, yeah, there was a point in my uh, in my pipe collecting where I thought, you know, I need to have one or two pipes from each of the great manufacturers or pipe makers. And I just found out that I had some pipes that were sitting there looking at me going, hi, I'm here, but you never pick me. Um, and then I found pipes that I was drawn to more. So I just kind of focused fast more on that. And I think I wish I would have done that sooner, faster. Um, yep. Gotcha. I think that's really the, yeah, aside from, yeah, buying, I mean, I was buying a Scudo at $4.50 a tin. Nice. Um, and that was in 2000 and 2001. 
you know, had I, sure, had I known more and, you know, my kids could have survived without a couple of meals a week, <laughs> you know, here and there, they would have found something to eat. Um, you know, I could have bought more, but that would have just been gone anyway. Um, but yeah, curating that pipe rotation into, uh, into only pipes that are smoke are figuring out if the pipes are smoking for you or are you buying the pipes for to show off to friends does that make sense yeah yep yep uh, so follow-up question to that how many holes into a pipe do you know if it's for you or not for you okay yeah that's interesting um because like with with tobaccos when I do a taste testing or a sampling of it, I'm smoking at least an ounce trying to find the, trying to find the sweet spot for how that tobacco performs, you know, small bowl, large bowl, packed a little tighter, packed a little looser. And those variations in a small bowl or a large bowl, uh, you know, narrow bowl, wide bowl, packed tight, packed loose. So, by the, yeah, somebody out there that's mathematically inclined and I've just given them six or seven different options. I think six times six is 36. So there's like, <laughs> you know, to the X power times pi, you know, you've got all these right. different combinations that you got to work through. Um, with pipes for me, it's a little easier because I can, I now know instantly if the stem will be comfortable for me. Uh, mm. And that's just from, time and time again of picking up a pipe and trying a pipe and realizing what the stem feels like in my mouth and what it and how my fingers can feel the stem and say, okay, that's going to work. So, so that trims out a lot of it right there. Um, as, as much as, as popular as the Peterson P lip is, yeah. it doesn't work for me. So yeah. Peterson, I look for, a, you know, I'd look for a fishtail. Um, so once you get that out of the way, uh, then it's because I've got such a, you know, I'm not like you. I, I don't have every variant of tobacco under the sun <laughs> sitting there waiting for me, uh, because I've got such a narrow wheelhouse. Uh, it just becomes a, you know, maybe, maybe three or four bowls. Um, okay. if I'm getting a chemically, it, so there, there might be another step to it too, where if I'm getting a bit of a chemically taste or a, um, or something acidic, that could be that the pipe is still got some, uh, still got some buffing compound on it or some wax on it somewhere, or the yeah. briar hasn't been cured completely and properly, or, you know, the pipe maker, when they finished it, they had some funky stuff on their finger and what yeah you, you don't know how it yeah, got there sure. but you, that may take four or five or six or seven bowls to smoke out and at the end of six or seven or eight bowls if it doesn't i'm done with the pipe i just don't have time for it um uh, yeah figuring on your trade list yeah yeah just say okay you know i tried i went down that road it didn't work um and that and that happens more often with a brand new pipe than an estate pipe. Uh, the estate mm -hmm. pipes, because they've already been smoked, usually, you know, somebody, <laughs> somebody did the pre burns for me. 
Um, that's right. And oftentimes I can burn that out of a pipe. I can smoke it out real hot in like two or three bowls and get rid of it and then figure out if the pipe's going to be good from that point on. But so you've, you've mentioned that you do, when you break in a pipe, you smoke it really hot for how long do you smoke it before you set it down? Like when you say to get it hot until my tongue can't, until my tongue and hands can't stand it. So usually it's okay. Usually it's two, three, yeah, two, three minutes of really hot and Mm. then maybe five minutes and then set it down and let it go cold and then start it up again. Uh, I see. Okay. But I, you know, and again, the stem is more important to me than, than a lot of it. Cause if it's not comfortable in my mouth, cause I'm a clencher, if I can't clench it, yeah. you know, I've got a couple of armchair pipes that I can't clench. I don't need any more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more question. Yeah. So you've been smoking a pipe for a long time. You're an expert in the field, doctor <laughs> of pipes. Does every you smoke does it burn down to the very bottom of fine white ash nope because okay because <laughs> nope. when i smoke a pipe i i gotta say 70 percent of the time there's still a quarter to a half inch of tobacco left at the bottom and i just can't get it to stay lit so so my my suggestion to you is if you uh a quarter inch doesn't bother me but a half inch would um See if you make sure and dump ash about halfway through the bowl. Mm, okay. And then retamp. Uh, because sometimes if you get too much buildup of ash on top, uh, especially if you, I find in, in bowls that are over, over like an inch and a quarter deep, um, I like to dump just once. And that helps get that flame down to the bottom of the bowl. Um, uh, I got you. The other thing that you might want to try if you're not doing it already is a pipe cleaner down the bowl so that you get the moisture out of the bottom of the bowl. Uh, I got you. But, you know, every 90% of my bowls have some sort of viable tobacco left over in the bottom. Uh, And there's the rare 10% where I go back to light it and i go wait a second that's only ash how'd i do that <laughs> yeah okay because i think it's kind of a, a misconception that a lot of pipe smokers have is that that is what you have to do every time is smoke it all the way to the bottom so good to know that's not necessarily the case no i mean you know we were told as kids you know clean your you know clean your plate eat all your food uh mm-hmm. you know but there's going to be some waste uh yeah it kind of hurts my heart though when it's some McClellan that's been sitting in a jar for a long time. <laughs> and and li- listen, you know, not all of us were born, you know, not all of us were born perfect. Some of us are the dottle in the bottom of the bowl, and you know, you just gotta. Uh, uh, yeah, as a as a cigar smoker, you don't smoke the entire cigar. You that's true. Yeah, waste. That's a good way to look at it. You know, unless you're getting a roach clip out, uh, you're wasting a big chunk of it as a former cigarette smoker if you smoke the cigarettes all the way down to the filter boy have you got a nasty taste coming at you so there's some tobacco Mm. waste in that um you know not everything uh yeah i'm sure when well except in texas where they cut all the meat off the cow and do burnt burnt ends and all kinds of stuff there's some waste Mm -hmm. on the when you're making 
you know, when you're cooking yep. with cow, which there you go, you know, cow is the national food of Texas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, Hereford is actually uh, one of the biggest providers of beef to the to the U.S. So we got a lot of cattle. That's 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 nothing to moo about either. Um, <laughs> well, what's the joke? Yep. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Ground beef. Yeah. yeah. All right. On that note, we'll wrap this up at the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe is it's a Savinelli autograph. Ooh. I got on my trip to Florida. I stopped in Jackson and went to the Country Squire uh. and. This is an old estate pipe that he had. I forget the guy's name that had it before me, but I actually got to meet John David and bought this pipe while I was there. And it's a, it's a really large Dublin, and it's got some really nice straight grain on it, and it fits my hand really well. And that's my that's my favorite pipe. Yeah, there's a joke in there about you and John David being eye to belt buckle. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's actually a picture on my Instagram. I think uh, when I went there, he's he's a normal sized human, and I am not. <laughs> all right uh i'm gonna guess what your favorite tobacco is does it have to do with a frog it is does have to do with the frog all right well we'll skip that one uh yep. down there in amarillo what's your favorite drink please say sarsaparilla <laughs> no not sarsaparilla and amarillo uh i would say coffee and then whiskey all right chicken exit uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I uh, love books. I've been a reader my whole life. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Uh, favorite pipe smoking related memory would be just started the Golden Spread Pipe Club and all my buddies just hanging out in the garage, just hanging, hanging out, talking and smoking pipes and just... Uh, learning the hobby together there you go uh to follow gabe on instagram it's tallest t-a-l-l-e-s-t p-i-p-e-r tallest piper on instagram and youtube gabe thanks very much for coming on and doing this and uh i look i look forward to looking up to you at a future pipe show somewhere <laughs> yeah same thanks so much brian huge honor and i can't wait to meet you and we'll be back in just a minute for over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. 
This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And yet, yeah, check out that, uh, uh, check out Gabe's Instagram. That's, I mean, that, that's a great picture of him and John David. Uh, all right, for music. So Scott sent these in and he says, of course, loving the podcast. And I've been working through a lot of the back catalog while wow, you've covered a broad range of music. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he says, uh, don't know. Don't know if you've gone down this rabbit hole, but this one that I picked is it's I, I don't know. It it's a coral and I believe it's pronounced Kiri. Elason, which is Greek for, uh, where's the translation? <laughs> yeah, it's Greek for Lord have mercy. So Dino, please correct me and tell me how to pronounce it properly. Uh, but anyway, it's from the Requiem for Peace by Larry Nickel. And the performance is done by the Kiev Symphony Orchestra Chorus in uh, 2021. So I'm guessing, uh, you know, before everything went to hell in a handbasket there. But anyway, I just found this to be beautiful and a perfect thing to sit back with your pipe and puff on for four and a half minutes and listen to. So here we go.
You know, sometimes you want music to uh, pick you up. Sometimes you want music to dance to. And sometimes you want music like this that just takes you away to a whole different place for a little bit. Three little words. You've got mail. Mailbag comments or questions can be emailed to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. And I won't be reading any of those because we've way pre-recorded this show. So this week we have a email from Scott Miller, and uh, Scott writes, Brian, at the moment I'm wondering about Navy Flakes. Have you covered this before? Still working my way through the backlist. Uh, what makes something a Navy Flake? Is it just rum? Are there any that are without rum? P.S. Luxury Navy Flake, Newminster 400. I noticed some fairly broad differences between such Navy Flakes from Vapors to Virginia Burleys to Virginia Latakias, and I think even some straight Virginia versions, and he lists a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so first of all, let me say uh, the correct way to listen to the show if you're just yeah, if you didn't start from day one is to stay caught up on the current ones and go back and pick up the other ones in the past. And yes, uh, I do believe <laughs> the, the term Navy flake. So the way flakes, uh, I've covered this in the past, but it's worth covering again. And the way Navy, the term Navy flake originally was used was flake tobaccos were made for the sailors and because flake tobaccos took up away it took up a lot less room on the ship and room on a ship in the 17 and 1800s was very important so pressed tobacco was a navy flake traditionally when i think of a navy flake i think of something with a hint of rum or a sweet taste to it however you're right. The Peter Stokeby Luxury Navy Flake has a hint of Perique in it. Um, as he lists here, Escudo is called technically uh, Escudo Navy Deluxe and Peterson Deluxe Navy Rolls. Well, that just, in my mind, the Navy part refers to still in the compressed form. All right. So again, yeah, it was originally designed for space and then people found out that it made the tobacco, I, I don't want to say better, but it made it different and some people found it more enjoyable because it was pressed and aged that way. Um, yeah, Capstan is technically a Navy cut. Uh, yeah, there, there's just a whole, there's a whole flock of them, but that term Navy flake really in my mind just refers to the style and then you can manipulate it one way or the other. Uh, he says at the end, a few months in now, and I still really enjoy the podcast regards Scott from Washington. So thank you very much, Scott. Um, listen, no, no questions or, uh, you know, no, no silly questions. And yeah, we've covered a lot over the time, but it's always good to go back and refresh your mind on it. So remember, if you have a comment, question, suggestion, music choice, uh, guest choice, whatever it is, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I appreciate them all. All right. In just a moment, rave time. 
Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then, we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. take this time to say thank you thank you to Bo York and to John David Cole thank you for 500 weeks of consistent quality thank you for 500 weeks of letting us inside their lives uh, just look at all the changes in their lives I mean you know John David was managing the store and Bo was, you know, had a young, young family with a young business, and he's moved to Houston. John David owns the store, got married, had kids. Every time I, after I talked to him, he'd have another kid. But thank you to both of them for consistent quality and consistently trying to improve it. And most importantly uh, to me, they made me better by making us push to be better and not rest on our laurels uh it's just thank you for letting us in on listening in on their friendship and their journey in pipes and tobaccos uh you know and thank you for them supporting us and our show and you know the shows we've done together to help grow the uh the pipe smoking podcast world and for them staying a podcast and not making the move over to YouTube. Uh, you know, it's true. A rising tide raises all ships. Well, their tide raised our ship here. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to miss, uh, I'm going to miss hearing them on uh, Wednesdays when I'd, you know, get up and know that there was going to be a country squire radio. Uh, and again, we are going to have, uh, we're, we'll have John David making some, uh, semi infrequently, uh, regular visits here and, uh, you can still make the pilgrimage down to, uh, Jackson, Mississippi to see them, but you know, won't get to hear, uh, we got a couple more weeks and then, uh, then they're leaving and, you know, thanks for, uh, thanks for bowing out gracefully and leaving and letting everybody know. So thank you to country squire, uh, 
Thank you to Gabe for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Working. Working don't live on indoors.